me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The sweet aromas of the apple fritter, cinnamon roll, and blueberry muffin are hard to resist. So making it the rest of the way home without reaching in your McDonald's bag is no easy task. But nothing worth doing is easy. Wake up and pair any one of these sweet, fluffy, frittery bakery treats with a McCafe iced coffee. Get any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time to talk the world's game from an American perspective. Presented by ShopFutsal.com, you're listening to Two Up Front, where we focus on all things American soccer. Now in the studio, your hosts, Baxter Colburn and Simon Provan. And welcome to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. And I am Corey Platt. Well, good uh, day to you, Corey Plath, I guess it is. Good day to you. Good Friday to you as well. Two weeks in a row. I'm not used to seeing you this often in real life, let alone on radio life. Well, How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You should be very privileged to be able to talk to me this frequently. I, I am. I've, uh, I can't believe that I'm sitting in the same vicinity as you again. It is, it is wonderful and exciting and exhilarating and all those other big words that make you sound important. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I like to feel important. Well, you are. You're important to me, Corey, and that's all that matters. Uh, if you haven't get, figured it out by now, uh, Simon Proben is off for one more week. He'll be back uh, next week on the program with us. Uh, we've got a great show in store for you today, a couple of big interviews as well to get to it as well. Uh, we'll be joined in just a couple of minutes, actually, by the head coach of Bavarians FC, Patrick Hodgins. And then later on in the program, we'll be joined by Jimmy Carlton, the sports editor for On Milwaukee. And then later on, we'll be joined by FC Dallas center midfielder Kellen Acosta as well. So definitely tune in for all of those interviews. It's going to be a lot of fun. Jimmy Carlton's going to be talking about the soccer scene here in Milwaukee and the current state of the Milwaukee Torrent. Patrick's got some great news about the Bavarians. And then, of course, Kellen Acosta will talk about the league-leading FC Dallas right now, number one in the MLS Power Rankings, of course, and certainly a team to keep an eye on, and also talk a little bit about his time with the U.S. men's national team. It'll be a great, exciting show for you. Corey will be doing a great job, of course, of stepping in, as he always does. And uh, we do want to remind all of you, though, before we get too far into the show, that you can find the show here on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network at 11.30 a.m. Central Time and on demand on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spreaker.com. And, of course, you can interact with us on social media anytime as well. You can find us on Facebook, Two Up Front. We finally eclipsed 500 likes, so thank you to all 500, and I believe one of you now at this present moment that, uh, that have liked the show page, so thank you for that. And then, of course, on Twitter, Two Up Front Soccer, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Proven, at CPLATH10, of course, as well, if you want to interact with Corey, right? That is correct. Absolutely. Well, big show for you in store today. Let's get right into it for the kick-around segment, as we like to call it. And uh, let's start in England, or in Europe, pardon me, in Europe. As We'll start in France. That's where I want to go. I, I passed high school geography, <laughs> I promise. Uh, we'll start in France. Not talking about France, talking about Portugal, because they emerged victorious. A surprise, I feel like, Victor, in the 2016 European Champions. They emerged 1-0, thanks to a dying-minute goal by Adair. Uh, 109th minute, he scores. 
No Cristiano Ronaldo for three fourths of this game. He leaves in the thirty fourth minute or twenty fifth minute. Pardon me. Uh, due to just basically getting the crap beat out of him and twisted and contorted in ways that should only be done on a massage table or physical therapy because I just I couldn't imagine having my body willingly contorted like what was happening to him on the field. But uh, Portugal have won. Congratulations to them, defying the odds. And the French have something else to complain about for at least another four years. Corey, your thoughts about this game? Uh, two things uh, right away. First of all, who would have imagined that Portugal would be a winner without Cristiano Ronaldo on the field? Not me. And <laughs> um, for someone like Eder, which we have heard his name we have. multiple we times. We he was emerging, yep. Um, and so it's for him to come onto the scene in a big game like this and make the shot that he did from, I would say, what, 30 yards out? About that. 30, I'd, I'd 35 25 to 30 yards out, yeah. So it, it, was a, it was a great shot, well-placed ball into the bottom left-hand corner. Yes. And it was, it, just, it was beautiful. And to see the emotions on Portugal's faces that they finally won a championship for a country. It's been a long time since I think they've done anything even remotely close to this, I feel like. Yeah, it has been. And, I'm, you know, the number of stories that came out with Cristiano Ronaldo not being able to eclipse that final win. Mm-hmm. And you know, Messi, like Messi, yeah. Messi's been plagued with that too, and now he's finally done it, and you could just see the relief on his face during that celebration. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It was definitely one of those things where as soon as that final whistle blew, you could feel almost like a massive weight was just completely lifted off of his shoulders, and he's like, I can finally relax, and I can finally maybe enjoy myself a little bit more, because he's won everything else at some point, at some time. He's won enough league titles in between England and Spain. And now he's won the Champions League at least once. He's won it twice, I'm pretty positive. And now he can finally say, I've won the European Championships. I understand it's not the World Cup, but you'd like to think that sometimes the European Championships are even a little bit better than the World Cup because you have some of the teams from Africa and Asia that get into, and they're not nearly as good as what you would face even in just the Europeans teams. So I think this will be something that he will take with him for a very long time and and cherish and say, you know what, I finally did it. And... Jeepers. That's what happens when you record, apparently, in your house and uh, dishes decide to fall. Oh, well. Anyway, um, where was I? I don't know where I was. Either way, though, it's nice to see, though, that Ronaldo didn't have to be the focal point for Portugal to do this, though, I think is at the end of the day, because so many people, as you mentioned, said, hey, if Ronaldo's not on the field, Portugal doesn't have a chance, doesn't have a chance, doesn't have a chance. And they hung in there with a, a France team that just continued to just berate and berate what was going on for the Portugal defense, and they stood strong. We saw Griezmann, the man who had led the entire tournament, be shut down. Nothing very productive from him the entire game, and Portugal emerged a 1-0 victor. I mean... It's hard to say that any other team really deserved it more. I mean, obviously, some folks would have preferred Iceland, of course. But it would have been interesting to see a Portugal-Iceland final had France had Iceland somehow managed to beat France and then somehow managed to beat Germany as well. But uh, credit to Portugal. Would it, would, I guess I'll ask it to you this way, uh, Corey. Would Germany have done a better job against Portugal instead of France? No, I don't think so. You don't so. think so? I think just the way that France um, outplayed Germany... Hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't think it would have been any better at that. Just analyzing the play from the back five mm-hmm. of Portugal. Um, I'm blanking on the keeper's name. For uh, Portugal? Yes. Ruiz Patricio? Yes. Patricio. Yep. Um, he just played incredible. Like, there was there was so many different saves that he had that were very crucial mm-hmm. and it was it was incredible to see his athleticism. He's gotten a lot of criticism in the past 
about different plays. Seven total saves for him on the day. Yeah, it was just it was incredible to see um, what he was able to do uh, against a very talented France attacking. I mean, you look at the the front six basically here. You've got Olivier Giroud, you've got Griezmann, Suzoku, Paul Pogba, Matuidi, and Payet, and that's just the front six that we're coming at. Not to mention, you know, Sanya and Patrice Ever getting up the field as well. And then you had Coleman, Martial, and Yannick as well all come in for France as well. So it's not like he was facing just the backyard, you know, soccer rec team. He was facing world-class players at their positions, and he stood on his head and then some and provided seven key saves. And at the end of the day, they were able to merge victorious. Hugo Lores, only two saves um, on the amount of shots that he faced from Portugal. To be fair, Portugal did not berate the net of Hugo Lores. Uh, they had 10 total shots to France's 18 and at the end of the day, as we mentioned, though, that one shot from midair, who, you would assume from 30-some yards out, the keeper would have enough time. And that's one of those shots you look at, you say, how does the keeper not get there in time? But it's through traffic, it's tucked away in such a close spot that your mind is playing tricks on you. If you're the goalkeeper, you're saying, that's not going to go on frame, that'll be pushed wide. Then as it gets closer, you're like, oh, crap. And then sometimes by that point, you've waited too long and you've second-guessed it, and it's in the back of the net, and that's the game. And then the other thing is he was moving to his left, albeit just a little bit, but that does mm-hmm. take some time to reverse directions. World-class keeper or not, it's it's so hard to change direction regardless if that ball is moving at a mile an hour or 20 miles an hour. And yeah, and it's not like the ball was going at a speed like you or I would kick it. Mm-hmm. This is a professional player yes. that he put some power behind it. Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, it was moving. It was, uh, it was along the grass, too, so, I mean, it might have gotten a little bit of help from, you know, possible... Uh, slick conditions on the field at times too, but uh, 75,000 people witnessed an absolutely surprising and stunning final here between Portugal and France. Um, it'll be interesting to see now in two more years once Russia rolls around. Portugal, you have to feel, we'll see. They, they, we'll see who they bring. We'll see the condition Ronaldo's in. We'll see the condition Nani's in, the two main, main scorers. I mean, Ed Air, of course, is going to be looking to make a bigger name for himself. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different guys. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, um, just real quickly, jump back to second point that I had. Um, the There's been a lot of criticism for Paye for injuring mm-hmm. Cristiano Ronaldo. And I just wanted to speak real quickly on that. In the game of soccer, accidents are going to happen like yes. that. And there was no... Uh, intent to injure it it happens and it it was very gruesome but it was just an accident and that's all it was and so and i'm sure there's no ill feelings towards um Payet from ronaldo's side hopefully not no um but it is it looks like it's an mcl sprain hmm. or a strain and uh nothing more than that so they'll take some time to heal but Hopefully he'll be back in a short amount of time compared to what could have been a tear of the ACL or yeah. MCL or both. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know it's not necessarily the same situation, but for me, when I was playing in college too, and I had my, I guess, career-ending injury technically when I got slide tackled from behind, and it ended up being more of a blessing than a curse because it allowed me to discover a unknown thing that I had going on in my foot because it kind of it finally got triggered. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have any resentment towards the guy that, that slide tackled me, you know, or anything like that. So hopefully it'll be something for Ronaldo where he and Payet will see each other and, you know, again, and make amends, hopefully. But at the same time, we know Ronaldo's a fighter, though, too, and he's going to probably come back. And there'll probably be some semi-playful to semi-physical shoving back and forth next time these two see each other, whether it's on the club level or international level as well. Um, speaking of the international level, one of the things we want to talk about before we bring in Patrick Hodgson's uh, well, two other things, I guess. The first, internationally, though, is what's going on with England. They are looking for a new manager. As many folks know, Roy Hodgson is gone. So now 
the BBC and everybody else are trying to predict who of the six guys that have been mentioned uh, will have the opportunity to to take on this new uh, this new role as England's manager. And um, it's very interesting too, Corey. The article that we found has a very interesting list of uh, requirements. Uh, I feel like you should share a couple of them with us. And uh, it's just funny to, to hear. This is what the BBC wrote, of course. This is not, of course, the official job listing, but it probably would sound similar to this, though. Yeah, so under experience, um, it says the Football Association is looking for a strong-minded, tactical set manager who has built a clear team identity and shaped the national side into a cohesive unit. Hmm. So far, so good. That seems like a very clear objective. Of course, of course. Now, here are the questions that really come into play. Mm -hmm. Do you fit the bill? Mm. Where would you play Wayne Rooney? Mm. Second question. In fact, where (laughs) would you play Wayne Rooney? Yes. Now, would you? Would you play Wayne Rooney? Oh, well, there you go. That's a very good question. Would you? I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I would argue no, but I mean we've seen we've seen crazier things. We have. We really have. Uh third question. Is Joe Hart head and shoulders above his rivals? Hmm. I don't know about that one. Especially after that dismal performance against Iceland. That was definitely one to forget. Mm-hmm. Uh fourth question. Are you uh we can win the twenty eighteen World Cup or are we building for twenty twenty or twenty twenty two person? Ah. That is a very good question, though. I mean, because I mean, with a team like England, with the amount of talent they have, you'd like to think, you know, could they make a run in two years for a World Cup, or are they just trying to work through the 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 phase of phasing out people now and bringing in new people, and then finally attacking that twenty twenty two World Cup? Because it's been a long time since England has done anything consistently well at the national level. I feel like. And if you wait too long, though, you have your players like the next person. Or next question that's brought up is Raheem Sterling thoughts, <laughs> and you know, you have Raheem Sterling has his moments of brilliance and then he's just god awful for the next two mm-hmm. weeks and so you have a lot of good players around that have that can perform if they're in the right mind frame and Agreed. in the right playing uh field Not i guess yeah no i agree with you on that one so the six names that have been brought up are quickly here are sam allardyce the current sunderland manager arson wenger the current arsenal manager uh, Glenn Hoodle, um, he is part of the British team right now, the team ITV. I don't know what the ITV means. Um, we'll have to see about that one. Jurgen Klinsmann, he is the United States men's national team coach, of course. Eddie Howe is the Bournemouth head coach. He's only 38, so that would be interesting. And then Steve Bruce is the current Hull City coach as well. So a couple of Brits on there to keep an eye on. You've got a Frenchman, a German man. You never really know. I'd be curious more so just from an American perspective to see what Jurgen Klinsmann would look like as a part of the England squad. But uh, I don't know. I really don't know, honestly. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out on that. But uh, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, uh, Bavarian FC's head coach, Patrick Hodgins, will be here with me to uh, make some special announcements for the team. We'll talk about that and more with him right after this on Two Up Front. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the program for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. Thanks so much for being here with us on the program today. We've had a great show moving on so far. We are headed here to a 
So an exciting thing here happening in the Milwaukee area. We're going to be speaking now to coach of Bavarians FC or the Milwaukee Bavarians, depending on what uh, major group they're playing in. Uh, Patrick Hodgins. Patrick, good afternoon and welcome to the program, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Baxter. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for taking some time today, Patrick. Uh, you uh, and the Bavarians have a very exciting announcement that you would like to let the world know and uh, let our two upfront listeners know as well. Uh, what is that and what's going on? Yeah, uh, I think it was announced uh, probably about a week and a half ago, but Bavarians will be hosting the USASA National Amateur Cup Finals August 5th and 6th at uh, Heartland Valley Fund Stadium in Glendale. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, our team qualified to the Region 2 tournament. Uh, Legends FC from Texas will be coming in. Uh, Monroe Valley from California and Christos FC from Baltimore wow, will okay. come into the tournament. That's so. fantastic. Now, I mean, you, you say it's a tournament, so it sounds like there's just four of you te- four teams playing. Is that correct? So it's kind of like the final four, basically, of the tournament? Yeah, yeah, it's the final four. The way the USASA works is a team from each region qualifies for the championship. Uh, there'll be two games Friday night, August 5th. Um, 5.30 will be Christos against Monroe Valley, and the 8 o'clock game will be Bavarians versus Legends FC. The winners will play each other Saturday night for the championship, and the losers will play in a third-place game uh, Saturday night as well. Okay, fantastic. Wow. Well, can you, for those of us that don't know maybe as much about what it's like to play in the PLA or in the majors divisions, can you explain a little bit how you guys got to basically win your, your region for the USASA tournament? Sure. Um, kind of like youth soccer, they have a state championship. So we won our state championship by defeating Simba's in the semifinal, uh, 14 to 0. Wow. And we beat no. We beat North Shore uh, United from the Majors Division in the final 5-1 uh, to one to qualify for the Region 2 Championship. And then at the Region 2 Championship, we defeated RWB Adria from Chicago, um, the defending Amateur Cup National Champions, uh, Quinto Elemento. Um, from, also from PLA, we defeated Carpathia and Ann Arbor FC to win the Region 2 championship. Holy cow, how do you keep all those games and teams in line? Holy cow, from all the different regions and everything, you're just naming them off. you got to have a cheat sheet in front of you or something. You just keep uh, it it's, it's tough, but we still <laughs> games, so you try to remember the big ones. Of course, of course. I mean, and any time when it comes to the playoffs and uh, fighting for a championship, I mean, every single game is an important one, that's for sure. Uh, we have uh, yeah. Patrick Hodgins of Bavarians FC, or the Milwaukee Bavarians here, on the line with us for two up front. Uh, Patrick, you guys have had a, a fairly good season so far, obviously, since you guys are you know fighting for a championship. Can you highlight some of the uh, your key players for us this season and uh, what makes them so special to your squad? Sure. Um, our team has a pretty good mix of college kids and like uh, ex-professionals um guys like ty dombrowski who used to play san jose earthquakes yep. you know minnesota stars plays with us kyle zanoni um plays with us as well uh greg rosenthal uwm alum new zealand and a few other countries okay wow. uh kind of you know are the veteran leadership for us and then we have some younger kids like uh, Logan Andrick, who was the Division Three National Player of the Year and uh, All-American. His brother, Brayden, uh, who was also an All-American. 
you know, with Danny Jaros from Marquette. And we have a lot of current or former Marquette and UWM guys that uh, play uh, on our team. How do you uh, recruit these guys to come play for you? Are they paid players, or are they just guys that you just say, "Hey, you should come play for us"? No, we don't. We don't pay any of our guys to come play for us. Um, oh, okay. Some guys coach. Some guys coach at the club. Oh, okay. Um, Makes others, sense. Kids. Other kids came up through the club, um, and then we just have relationships with the colleges, and you know, are in contact with them about trying to get kids places to play for the summer. And guys who live in the area, you know, really want to play at a, at a high level. So, you know, they're generally looking to play for us or, you know, like Croatian Eagles or a few other majors clubs. Okay. So. Wow. That's fantastic. So you guys, I mean, obviously are a very successful club here in the area, but you guys also do some stuff too with different things in the community and just different things to help out like with your, with your clubs as well too. Do you have any summer camps or clinics or anything coming up that people can try to sign up for still? Uh, yeah, the, the club had an international camp, but I believe it's already passed. And I believe they're having another camp that comes up in July. But okay. unfortunately, I don't know the specific dates. I'm sure there's information on the webpage. Okay, which is what for people that they can find it out? Um, I believe it's just BavarianSoccer.com, but... I could be wrong on that. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll have to we'll have to take a look and see for sure. Well, right. well, that's fantastic though that you guys have uh, so many different great things coming up for us. Um, if people want to come out and catch a game, uh, when's the next time that people can come see Bavarian Soccer Club in action? Sure. Uh, outside of the Amateur Cup games, we have our last uh, PLA league game uh, tomorrow night, seven o'clock against uh, Croatian Eagles. Okay. So it's a big Milwaukee Derby. Of course. Uh, going to take place tomorrow night at 7. And we're also hosting the WSL Majors Championships on July 23rd. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I, I feel like I need to ask you this question too, Patrick, before we let you go. Um, just because we have a lot of listeners on the show that follow you guys. They follow the Milwaukee Torrent, the Milwaukee Wave. Where do you guys rank in terms of like where you are in terms of, I guess, well, I don't know if division makes the most sense, but like a, from a skill level, I mean, you've got Bavarians, you've got the Torrent. Can you give us like a, an interesting, or not an interesting, but a, a proper level of like where you guys are or engaged so that way for some people that maybe haven't heard of Bavarians can say, oh, I've heard of the Torrent and what they do and stuff, but can you give us kind of a, a comparison a little bit about between the two? Um, sure. There's a lot of things that are even between the PLA and the MPSL. Um, MPSL is more of a national organization, and that's the division that the Milwaukee Torrent uh, currently playing. Okay. Or the PLA is, um, it's, you know, approved by USASA, just like the NPSL is. It's considered semi-professional soccer um, in line with the same division as NPSL. The only difference between us and the Torrent is we do not uh, pay our players. Okay. Um, and they they do pay their guys. Sure. Um, but from a you know level standpoint, we generally have, you know, uh, you know, I, w- I would say. Uh, somewhat comparable teams, um, but, you know, not want to say, you know, anything boastful, but, you know, sure. I would say you know, for the for the area, we have a lot of similar guys, a lot of ex-college players. I think, you know, personally, our roster may be better than theirs, but that's just 
my opinion. Of course, of course, of course. And as the coach, too, you get an opportunity to see your guys a little bit uh, more up close and personal, too, which, you know, every every coach would say, hey, I've got the best team and the best roster around, obviously, which is which is great, though. That means you believe in the guys that you have and, you know, the way that they play the game. And it's obvious you guys are, you know, fighting for another championship. So in that sense, you know, it's kind of yeah. hard to argue against that. But uh, just more so from a curiosity perspective for myself, are we ever going to see a, a Bavarian versus Torrent or, you know, like a, a Milwaukee Derby kind of like little tournament between between some of the majors and the torrent and all the other teams that we have here? Uh, you know, I don't think we would be opposed to playing anybody on, on any given day. We would be uh, down for playing anybody. Um, you know, I, to be fair, we haven't been approached about playing anybody or, you know, about playing the Milwaukee torrent, but if we were, it was something that we'd have to entertain. Of course. Well, fantastic. Well, Patrick, we appreciate you taking some time here on the program today. Uh, you can find out all the information you need to about the Bavarian Soccer Club by going to BavarianSoccerClub.com or find them on social media, of course, as well. Patrick Hoshins is the coach of Bavarians FC, and they've got a huge, huge tournament coming up August 5th and 6th. Patrick, good luck to you guys, and uh, we hope to have another tournament and championship brought home here to Milwaukee. Hey, thanks, Max. I really appreciate it. Anytime, anytime. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more in store for you here on 2UpFront. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this. Back at it here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFootsall.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Corey Plath. All right, Corey Plath, let's dive into the NWSL and then the U.S. Women's National Team announcing the 18 gals that will be headed down to lovely Rio. Hopefully they uh, stay healthy and don't have any Zika concerns while they're there, but uh, we will we only know in time, of course. But uh, the NWSL, a interesting weekend, of course, taking place as we saw the one and only Portland Timbers fall. They finally lost, Corey. Their first ever loss this season. And who, of course, do they fall to but FC Kansas City, a very familiar foe and a team that has not been performing at the best that they could be this year. They beat them 2-1. And, of course, everybody lost their damn minds when it happened, as always. But uh, Portland Thorns, they fall 2-1. Western New York Flash and the Seattle Rain played out to a stunning 3-2 game. That resulted in the New York Flash advancing 3-2. Washington Spirit beat the Chicago Red Stars 2-0. Sky Blue FC beat Houston 1-0. And the Orlando Pride beat the Boston Breakers 2-1. Interesting. Interesting things all around, of course, Corey Plath, as you know about the NWSL. It keeps us on our toes. The Western New York Flash, they grabbed their eighth total win on the year, but they still are not in first place because the Thorns have only lost one game and have drawn five games. They're two points behind Portland for the league high uh, total in points and record-wise as well. But at the same time, though, you have the Washington Spirit as well. They're 7-2-2, two, and two, and then everybody else just kind of falls in after that. The Orlando Pride, 6-6. Six and six. Chicago Red Stars, 5-4-3. And, and it kind of all dwindles down after that. Your thoughts about the week that was in NWSL? Well, if I'm the Western New York Flash, I'm really happy. Uh, first and foremost, 
we fought, we saw that uh, Portland Thorns are human. Mm. They can lose. Mm-hmm. And now there is game film on how they lost. And so if you know you're one you're you're two points behind uh the Portland Thorns and you have to you're in a really good position to take that lead. Mm-hmm. And so um there's there's you can only it, it looks pretty good as far as an outcome for Western New York Flash. I'd agree with you on that one. Um speaking of uh Western New York Flash beating down the Seattle Rain 3-2 after FC Kansas City beat Portland uh 2-1. There's a bit of controversy surrounding the Western New York Flash game, uh, Corey, because they played uh, not at their traditional field of Rochester, or it was Rhinos Stadium, of the home of the Rochester Rhinos, uh, but they played at uh, Frontier Field. Um, you know, you'd assume, you know, playing in a baseball stadium, we've heard about this, you know, from other friendlies and NYCFC, they do it, of course, as well, in a baseball field at uh, Yankee Stadium. However, the field that they had to play on was 100 by 58 which anybody that knows a little bit about soccer knows that a traditional field, if I'm correct about this, is 120 by 80. That sounds right. I think that's what it is. 180, or it's either 120 by 70 or 120 by 80. I'm pretty positive it's 120 by 80. You can check while we talk about this. But for some reason, though, the uh, NWSL thought it was okay to put a full regular season match, uh, so it is 120 by 80 officially is what we've heard Um between two teams that are battling for a big playoff contention spot. And uh, at the end of the day, the Flash, obviously, as we mentioned, emerged victorious. However, players, supporters of the league, and many others have thrown out just an absolute barrage of hatred against this and wondering how the league let this happen. Alex Morgan has said, you know, so unacceptable, though, seriously. Megan Rapino said, you know, she tweeted, she said, I joked earlier, but this field is unacceptable. NWSL, Jeff Plush, are you watching this? Why would you allow this? How was this allowed? I really don't understand exactly how something like this was allowed. There's really no reason for this to have happened. It basically looked like this was the perfect size for a 6v6 match or maybe 7v7, you know, what you would do like Sunday Rec League. This is not professional, and I think this really hurt the growth of women's soccer in America. This one game, I think, is going to be a pivotal point for women's soccer history. Yeah, I would agree. I, you know, the two things that could possibly come up with is one, it's a promotional thing, but that's usually when it's a bigger field or bigger stadium trying to get more income into the team. The second thing I can possibly think of is the original stadium is under construction or mm-hmm. some emergency situation happened, neither of which were the case. This is just one oddball situation that happened and I don't know. It's it's definitely going to hurt the program. It's going to hurt the reputation of um of of the the teams mm-hmm. and so it's just it, it's just not a good situation i'd agree yeah the uh, league's commissioner jeff plush did release a, a very short statement uh, surrounding the events he said the field dimensions were not up to our standards but due to various factors the league office made the decision to grant an exception for this evening's match in retrospect we made the wrong decision he stated well you think i mean how <laughs> I'm really confused at what point the commissioner thought this was a smart idea, honestly, because you don't play a professional game for arguably the best women's league in the world on a 100 by 57 dimension field. It just doesn't happen. And I think it, I think the league is lucky that both of these teams don't take legal action and sue the league because this is absolutely unacceptable, and the amount of backlash since this has been incredible. And like I feel, I feel like the NWSL went from being this high flying league to now dropping again below what England does because England has a fantastic women's league as well. But for so much, I think this 
instance has really dropped the NWSL at least a peg or two down the pecking pole for at least a short time. Yeah, the it's it's well, I know for sure you can't sue the commissioner just because it it's gone through the channels mm-hmm. and and it's gone through the necessary authorization. Why during some point in the process no one thought, "Hey, this field is way shorter and way narrower than what we're used to playing?" I don't know why that didn't cross anyone's mind, or if it did, why someone would say, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. But for some reason it did. We don't really have a good explanation behind it. It's just due to unforeseen circumstances. And I guess you learn from this and you try and move move forward. And that's all you can really do at the end of the day. I mean, it's it's a tragedy and something that should not have happened. However, it did. So hopefully the league can recover from this and uh, right the wrong that was a play to the Western New York Flash, the supporters, and, of course, the Seattle Reign as well. Uh, the exciting news, though, for women's soccer fans is that Jill Ellis has finally named the group of ladies she's going to be taking to the 2016 Olympics down in Rio. Starting with the goalkeepers, Corey Plath, who do we have? Uh, we have uh, Alyssa Nair from the Chicago Red Stars and Hope Solo from Seattle Reign. And for going on from the defenders, we have Whitney uh, Engen from Boston Breakers, Julie Johnson, Megan Klickenberg. Ellie Krieger, Kelly O'Hara, and and uh, Becky Sauerbrunn. From the midfield, Morgan Bryan, Tobin Heath, Lindsay Horan, Carly Lloyd, Ellie Long, and Megan Rapino, which was the surprise, mm-hmm. I think. The the two surprises are Carly Lloyd and Megan Rapino. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Uh, but then finally, to round out the 18 of the forwards, we have Crystal Dunn, Alex Morgan, Kristen Press, and Mallory Pugh. Hmm. A very interesting gathering of ladies. Um a very different forward grouping, of course, as well, from what we were used to at the World Cup. Crystal Dunn, more of a winger. Mallory Pugh, a little bit more of a winger as well. Alex Morgan and Kristen Press, more of your traditional forwards. Will they both start together on the field? Will there be a different dimension of what's going on with what's happening on the midfield side of things? Um, we, do want to, we don't want to forget to mention, of course, the four alternate replacement players, Ashlyn Harris, Emily Sonnet, Sam Mewis and Heather O'Reilly as well. Heather O'Reilly, a little bit of a surprise that she didn't make the team. Um, however, she is totally fine with it, as from what we've heard, and she said she needs to do uh, what is best for the team, of course. And, you know, that's good. That's what you want to hear. There was no resentment, not like, damn you, Jill Ellis, I really wanted to play. It's not it at all. It was, you know, what? It happens. We'll, uh, we'll move on, and you know we'll, we'll, I'll be there if the team needs me kind of thing. But let's talk about the Carly Lloyd and the Megan Rapino thing because I think that having both of these players was a mistake, I feel like, because neither of them have had real game opportunities this year. Carly Lloyd played two games for the Houston Dash, I believe, two or three games before she got hurt, of course, which has led her to be out for several months. Now she just kind of gets to walk into the U.S. national team camp um, based off reputation alone, which I don't have a problem with to an extent because she was voted the FIFA Player of the Year, World Cup, this, that, and the other. However, there's been other play- other players on this team who are playing at a higher level currently, like Sam Mewis, like Heather O'Reilly, that could fill in for Carly Lloyd. However, Carly Lloyd is also a locker room gal. You want her on your team, regardless if she plays a minute or if she plays 90 minutes every single game because she's going to be in the locker room firing your gals up but I, I, I still don't know, though, with Lloyd and with Megan Rapino, how I truly feel about this. What about you, Corey? Um, I think the biggest reason why you have Lloyd, I mean, beyond the fact that she was the player of the year, mm-hmm. uh, she is your captain, 
She is your voice of reason. She's the one that that these younger players, because this is a younger team, Mm -hmm. that's who you look to as far as advice of what to do in these situations. This is almost like, and and it's not the exact same scenario, so that's not what I'm saying, but with Klinsman bringing on, um, ah, shoot, the striker, uh, misses in front of goal all the time. Wondolowski. Um, so, Wando. So this is him bringing Wando for that veteran leadership of knowing what you should do, not necessarily knowing how to execute it because mm-hmm. we saw how badly that went. But it's that veteran leadership for the younger guys and saying, okay, when the games get down to the end, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're in that younger position and you don't you may know what you should do but you can't think through yes, it exactly and that's the biggest hurdle i agree no i completely agree with you on this one but um it's going to be interesting because crystal dunn is a gal we've had on the program in the past we know what she's capable of doing on the wing we know that she's very dynamic and can, can burn just about any outside or defender in general player on any team on any given day and she's incredibly talented and i think she's going to have an opportunity to really shine in this olympics however I'm just not sure where she's going to fit in with the players that have been brought. Because you and I, before we went on for the segment, were trying to figure out who was going to play where in the midfield. But we know that Crystal Dunn can play the midfield as well. Are Morgan and Press going to play at the field at the same time from the forwards? Where does Mallory Pugh fit into everything? Morgan Bryan, Tobin Heath, Carly Lloyd, maybe Allie Long are going to be your starting four at midfield. Like, There's a lot of different options of what you need to look at. But at the end of the day, I feel like the midfielding is kind of where the whole thing kind of gets skewed based off the, the six players that were chosen. Yeah, these uh, these players are um, either ones that have been performing well now or just have the name attached to them. Mm-hmm. And especially with Megan Rapino and having ACL surgery in December, I don't know why you bring her on. I, I think it's it might be... They must have the faith that the, that she's healed or will be healed Hopefully. in time. You'd like to hope so, yeah. But I don't know. That's eight months ago, so mm-hmm. technically that was it, it works out well as far as timing, as far as standards go, mm-hmm. at least now nowadays. Um, but is she going to be ready in in game shape by the time? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know, honestly. I mean, I still think that the uh, the group of players that Jill Ellis is bringing with her is going to produce at a high level. I feel like the 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 gold cup, uh, the gold cup, the uh, the gold medal is still very attainable with these gals because it's not a, just a ragtag group of players. So uh, I still think that they're going to at least make it to the semifinals at minimum. Uh, yeah, I'd agree, unless they pull out of Rio due to Zika. That's also been on the table. Still still a possibility. Yeah, they haven't left yet, obviously. All right, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got two great interviews coming up for you. Jimmy Carlton of On Milwaukee will be here, and then Callan Acosta of FC Dallas as well. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Inside the studio here on another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShotFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. Joining me on the line now is sports editor for On Milwaukee, a man that knows more about the sports world in the Milwaukee market than probably anybody else. It's Jimmy Carlton. Good day to you, Jimmy. How are you doing, sir? 
doing really well, Pastor. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely, Jamie. We are excited to have you here on the program. It is a soccer show, which means, no, we're not talking about the Packers or the Brewers or anything else that you would probably write about on a daily basis. We're going to be talking about the Milwaukee Torrent and uh, what has been going on with their inaugural NPSL season, everything that owner and head coach Andy Davi has done for the team, and just kind of what they've done to this point in the year. But... uh, so, Jimmy, I mean, you've had an opportunity to go to a couple of games. You've written about them, you know, multiple times as well. Tell us a little bit about what your few takeaways are before we kind of, like, dive into it so far. What is your, what's your evaluation of the Milwaukee Torrent at this point in the season? Yeah, I've been to a few games, and, you know, they're 5-0, and which speaks for itself. But uh, as far as what I'm seeing on the field, it's really interesting. They're, they're, they, they dominate these games. Um, they're clearly playing at a level that the other teams in their league in this NPSL Midwest conference just aren't at. And, you know, partly it's because Andy Dobby had made the decision um, way up front to pay his players and be able to attract the best talent, especially the best local talent, even a couple of players um, not, that aren't from this area. Yep. Um, they play an extremely disciplined style, which if you know Andy Dobby isn't really a surprise. He's very, very um, strict tac- uh, technician, tact- uh, tactical uh, type coach with um, a very disciplined style, a lot of organization they build out of the back. Um, it's, it's a very clean product to watch. In fact, um, I w- I've been surprised having gone to a couple of the friendlies earlier this season and watching them, you know, sort of get their feet wet against local colleges, you know, uh, against Marquette and against UWM. They really didn't seem to know who they were or what they were, and there didn't seem, it, it just didn't seem comfortable. And now, uh, granted, they were at that point, maybe a month or two of, of having trained together, if, if even that. Um, and you could just sort of see uh, the most fledgling, far-off uh, uh, hint that they were going to be able to get something together. Uh, clearly, they, they've been able to bring all this uh, technical skill and, and talent together. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it's, it, it probably wouldn't be inaccurate um, to say that, that Davi is really... Um, instilled his vision on this team because you know they play so beautifully well together and they really do have a structure and organization when they come up against these teams who just sort of seem like they're they're getting together for the first time that week or you know maybe they they got a training session earlier but he he really brings a professional mentality um and and the torrent do represent professionally i think they look like a real soccer team real real uh a real club here yeah, I have to agree with you on that one for sure. I mean, there's a couple of different things that you can look at, too, based off of those uh, a couple of different things that you said, too. I would be very curious now to see how the Milwaukee Torrent would be against even Marquette, because that's the team where they lost 4-0 in preseason, only, being only their second game overall as an organization. Everybody was kind of like, ooh, you know, I don't know how well this Torrent team actually is going to be. I mean, they're losing to a Division One school, but... Not to take anything away from the Midwestern Division, I've seen all the teams play so far aside from Chicago. We'll see Chicago when they come to town on the 23rd. At least from what I've seen from L.C. Harris, at least what I've seen from the Minnesota Twin Stars, neither of those teams can even remotely stay in the same ballpark as what the Milwaukee Torrent are doing right now. So I, I almost feel like the Torrent are just bounds and leaps better than any team in this division. Like I said, I haven't seen Chicago yet. I know that they did beat Chicago 4-0 earlier on in the year, back on June 4th, but... I'm a little, I'm a little worried. I almost feel like they're playing down to their competition because they're so much more superior. But like you said, that might be something to do with the fact that they are being. Some of these players are being paid by Coach Andy Davi to be a part of his team, which incentivizes more players to want to come play for him. Obviously, but I, I'm a little curious though. Do you think they are in just a weak division as a whole, or how? How? I'm, I don't know if we can have an accurate picture of what exactly the Milwaukee Torrent are doing this year. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I've had the same 
I've had the same question. I've had, I've considered it the same way. Um, you know, there's just no frame of reference with this NPSL. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a cool league. It's, it's actually surprisingly well run given yeah. you and I both have, have had conversations about other low level <laughs> semi pro leagues and yep. other sports like the ABA. But, um, you know, there's just no frame of reference. I've never watched an NPSL game. What I have seen has been the Torrent just dominating their opponents. Um, and I think a lot of that really does come from, you know, they, they've attracted some very, very good talent, probably the best, close to the upper echelon talent of, of what the MPSL can, can, can have. And then they've imbued that with really, really structurally sound um, uh, tactical approach, which, you know, through Dobby. And I, I think that, that that makes such a huge difference at this level where everybody's close to the same ability. And, you know, if you're, if you're just a well-organized team that practices together that, you know, and that, that's, I think, partly why in those friendlies against those colleges after maybe a month of training in the wintertime, they just sort of looked a little discombobulated. They mm-hmm. didn't really know what they were doing. They certainly didn't have a lineup. I mean, there's guys who were playing in those, who were, who were starting and playing big minutes, um, especially in the back line in those friendlies that just don't even see the field now. Um, but as far as, you know, getting a, a, a sense of the NPSL in this conference, they're they're head and shoulders about everybody else, and it's really hard to say if other teams throughout the country would give them, um, you know, more of a game. Uh, it's hard. It, 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 I can't really imagine that at the fourth division there's going to be a lot of teams that are really much better than what they're producing. It's a good. It's, it is a good product. In fact, I left I left Saturday's game against Eris, um, telling friends and family, you know, this is actually a really good product, and, mm-hmm. and people should come out, and not even just to to uh, tow the company line or to, to toot Andy Dobby's uh, touring horn. He obviously wants this to be Milwaukee's, uh, you know, Milwaukee's professional team, of one, course, one yeah. team, one, one city or whatever he's got uh, that, that, um, that hashtag, but it really is a good, good soccer product. I think it's about as, it's probably above most of the major level team, most of, most of the majors teams in this city. Um, although I would absolutely die to see a Bavarian versus Torrent game, if not just for the, <laughs> ability but for the personal background between some of the Mm -hmm. coaches and the the players but uh yeah it's a really really good team um at this level and and who knows if they move up if if they were going to move up in the next couple of years or a few years how they would do i think you'd have to probably expand your talent pool and get outside of just this this area they're attracting really really good um guys you know the fc milwaukee products and um, the guys who played for Serbs and guys who, who played at UWM and UW Green Bay, but that's really all they've got. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, right now, I mean, it's great that they've got all of these different talents coming from, you know, those those other schools as you mentioned around Wisconsin. But Wisconsin itself isn't exactly known as the hotbed of young, promising, up and coming, talented players. Occasionally, you'll get those two or three that'll sneak through and be like, "Yeah, we're playing D1 at Wisconsin, or I'm playing at Marquette, or whatever." But a lot of those guys go on to bigger and better things. We've heard about guys from Marquette and from you know UW-Madison being drafted into the MLS or playing at USL or NASL. So I don't know how many of those guys, the even higher quality guys from within the state that are going to say, you know what, I really want to play for the Milwaukee Torrent and you know give back to the community, which is fantastic if they do, but the Torrent aren't exactly there just yet. I am curious, right. too, though, as you mentioned, Jimmy, I mean, what it would be like. I mean, I would, I would love to. I would pay a, a very high amount of money to go and watch a Torrent versus Bavarians or, or Torrent versus uh, Croatian Eagles, <laughs> you know, even a little like round robin trifecta cup there, I think would be absolutely amazing. But you've had a, you've had an opportunity, Jimmy, to see the soccer culture grow back and forth here in the Milwaukee area. Is it a little, 
I don't want to speak. I don't want to say the wrong word, but I feel like it's almost a little childish at times, based off of how these all these so many different supporters groups, all these different ideas, and for some reason, no matter what, taking Davi, taking everybody else out of the picture, why can we not all still get on the same page with this? Because I feel like at some point, egos aside, we need to do what's best for the community and what's best for growing soccer in Wisconsin as a whole, not just in Milwaukee. Yeah, well, I spent uh, four thousand words on this topic. Uh, maybe a summer or two ago when I was with Fox. And it's just, it's pretty much exactly like what you said. It is childish, and it's very, very um, frustrating from a soccer perspective, not from a journalist perspective, to sort of talk to these different major players and and, um, the different groups within the city and the surrounding area and, and sort of be incredulous that they can't work together, that they don't sort of... If not support, if not share the same vision, at least sort of support yeah. similar visions. Um, I mean, that's that's changed a, a bit. Uh, certainly, a big a big sea change was the Milwaukee Barons supporters group coming around and and, and saying that they were going to back the torrent. Um, Andy Davi and, and some of the Barons uh, uh, people had 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 some issues in the past, and they seemed to have worked through that, and um, both seemed to be benefiting. But yeah, it's a lot of in this area, and, and that could, this could be true across the country. I, I've worked in other markets, but I've never been in really closely involved in the soccer communities in other cities. It really sort of self-cannibalizes um, the, the the greater goal and the greater vision of mm-hmm. bringing high-level soccer here. Ever since Peter Wilt wasn't able to get the stadium for an MLS team downtown, yeah. I think people have sort of thrown up their hands and said, you know, it's not going to happen. People say if Peter Wilt can't do it, how is you know how is anybody else expected to do it or something like that? Yeah, basically. exactly, exactly. It sort of it sort of just becomes self-defeating because. You know that they got real close, and then it didn't happen. And then since then, all you've had is you've had the rampage and the wave united fold, and then you've had the wave just sort of be what they've become, um, which is not to take anything away from the wave. It's no, tremendous no. entertainment and a very, very high high level indoor soccer. Yeah, game. absolutely. Not the outdoor, not the outdoor game. Um, I I don't know. I I've had this conversation a lot of times with other soccer people, and it's just like, what do you uh, what do you want? You know, and talking to you know th- this group or this. Mm-hmm. coach or this person who wants to you know uh, bring investors into into town and yeah. you know what are you trying to accomplish here's something that is already here um with the torrent they have now proven that they're at least extremely well run i mean uh say what you want about uh you know being fourth division mpsl fans don't necessarily always want to start at the bottom and and certainly soccer people have said what they wanted to say about andy davi both good and not so great, and uh, <laughs> yep. but but they 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 they've accomplished exactly what they said they were going to do when they when they formed a year ago, um, and both on the field and off in terms of paying their bills and and being a functioning organization. So, you know, th- this is the one that's here right now. Mm-hmm. I would love to see it grow. I would certainly um, absolutely kill to see like what you said a round robin tournament. That that would be a lose lose for just about everybody, I think, in the city. But. Um, at least in terms of on the field, it would that definitely benefit the fans. And for those of us um, that cover the the teams and the leagues too, we'd be like, "Oh, this is fantastic!" Like finally just getting to getting to see it. I think that would be just fun, though. I mean, we know about this this derby that's coming up with the Muskegon Risers, the second leg of that. That's coming up at the end of the month on July thirtieth. I mean, doing little inner city derbies sometimes is even exciting too. I mean, I feel like that would be a possibility. But at the same time, because there is so much 
butting of heads between you know the organizations i almost i'm assuming maybe the the thought had been tossed down and then everybody's like no we really don't like you or we really don't like what you're doing so no it's not we wouldn't we wouldn't dream of that you know we we could never we could never do that but you have to feel like those coaches are laying in bed at night at times going we could beat them like you know like, that would be you know we could take them i would love to see that but then it's all the Absolutely. all the other crazy background things that have to go on with it but um, let's just take a look briefly here, Jimmy, for a second, as we, before we let you go, just how the Torrent have done this year. I mean, they've completely boat raced every single opponent they've played out of the stands, or out, even in the NPSL more than anything. We know about the friendly games. We know they've had one draw in a friendly match against the Muskegon Risers, who they'll play again on July 30th back at Elon Soccer Park for the uh, the Wishigan Trophy, the, the two-legged uh, trophy. So... Um, Let's look at this the season as a whole though. I mean, they've beaten they beat Minnesota 2-1 back in the their first game of the year. They beat the Chicago Mustangs 4-0, the Minnesota Twin Stars 5-0, the uh LC Harris 9-1 and then 5-0 again last week. And now they play the Chicago Mustangs again on July 23rd. Who have been some of the players for you this season that you can consistently look at and say, "You know what? This team would not be at nearly as good if XYZ was not on the field for them." Well, James Weber leading scorer uh, yeah. I mean, the guy is a clinical finisher, and I can't really picture many people doing it at a higher level than he does. And certainly inside the box, and he just puts things away. He gets it in. He goes side netting when he's when he's uh, almost on every on almost every finish he's had. Um, for me, Ian Bennett, I, I I was a big Ian Bennett fan when, or I am a big Ian Bennett fan as as what he does for the wave and for the community and just mm-hmm. how excited he is about soccer in the city and and with with the youth. But um, on the field, he's he's just as much of an impact player. I mean, he, they've got him, they play him out wide as a wing outdoors as opposed to a striker in indoor game. And basically they, I was on the sideline on Saturday and every time he touches the ball, they the coaches and the players are just beseeching him, go at people, just take people on. I mean, he, he get a couple of touches going forward and then he just gonna, he's going to get around somebody and get a, get across him presumably. Although sometimes it seems like he's got a tendency to carry the ball, you know, 10 touches across the top of the box. Going laterally, and, and that didn't seem that was uh, yeah <laughs> got under uh, Dobby's skin a little bit, but um, he's been a big impact player, and you know I think he's the second or third highest scorer. Uh, Declan Rodriguez in the middle has been a pretty pretty solid playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another guy that they brought in from outside of the area, and um, clearly possesses a lot of talent. For me, the biggest impact player, the most dominant player in in all the games that I've seen, has been Drew Ruggles. Mm. Um, I mean, he is. So solid in the back. They've got him at center back. I think I think when he was in the USL, he was more of a holding midfielder, but they've got him just anchoring the back line. He's a tremendous communicator. He wins just about every ball in the air. And for me, the the, the difference between – usually you can tell when a player is playing at a higher level when with his speed of play and his ability to be so composed on the ball at a you know, you know pretty high leverage position. His vision is incredible. And, and just deliver these – 50 or 60 yard strikes, these diagonal balls right to the outside mids and to the to forwards, right on a dime, right to their, their feet, really does speak to a higher level. I mean, that's what you watch on TV when you watch really, really good teams and really good players. They just play these balls where the guy doesn't have to move. And that actually, you know, Ruggles, for me, as, as much as I really um, appreciate and sort of am, am grateful to watch and enjoy his game, um, he's, he's an interesting test case for, for the torrent because if he's the best player on the field, and he has been in the games that I've Which watched. Which I feel like we could both argue he is, yeah. Yeah, if, he, if he's the best player on the field, and I don't know what happened with, he was at Rochester with USL, and I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, I don't, Andy said he, he didn't get his contract 
um, extended. And I'm not sure. I, I won't even pretend to know what happened there. If it was a if it was a form or if it was a form or, or an ability issue, or if there was something else going on. But if he if, if he wasn't able to go to stay in the USL, which is the next level up, yep. which is you know presumably the the track that Andy wants to take as he builds this thing up. And, and that's your best player far and away. I, I just don't know. I mean, don't, you probably do have to attract some better players. I don't know if you can build with the core you have to get to that USL level. No, I'd agree with you on that one, too. I mean, that's always what you hear. I mean, we had a, somebody, we had Justin Davis of Minnesota United on our program a couple of weeks ago, and we asked him, I said, hey, when, when you guys make that jump from NASL to MLS, do you know how many of you guys are going to be be kept on the roster? And he's like, honestly, no, none of us, none of us know yet. There's been no talk. There's been no contract. He's like, I'd like to hope so. He's like, but, you know, we don't know when, when that jump is made of, you know, how we, we match up for the coach and everything else that's going on. So similar situation. NPSL, I would say, is, you know, not worlds behind, but depending on how the, the best NPSL teams are, which, like we said, you and I don't have an official gauge, really, of who is there and who isn't. And But I feel like uh, if we had if there were several more Drew Ruggle-esque style, you know, composed, confident, you know, skilled players on the field, well, then, yes, you could take this Torrent team and you could drop them in USL and then say, hey, you know, you're going to be at least competitive. You might not win a championship, but you might at least be competitive. And, you know, that yeah. might be, at the end of the day, that's kind of what you want at the end of the day. I mean, one other player I want to highlight really fast, too, I think has to be, he hasn't done a whole lot because he hasn't had to do a whole lot all year, but it's been goalkeeper Nick Barry, though, too, I feel oh, like. Yeah. I mean, just an absolute wall back there on defense. A tremendous communicator. Had an incredible penalty kick save, too, in this last match against LC Aris to keep his clean sheet. Uh, he's only conceded, I, I believe he's only conceded two goals all season long in NPSL yeah, exactly. action. So that right there, I mean, if we were, if there was an all-star game, I feel like Nick Barry would be uh, at least in contention for what that would be to, to get him in there. But another yeah, you, incredible player. Yeah, you, you hit on the major points that I, uh, that I have for Barry, which is, you know, when your team scores 25 goals and you've only really had maybe 25 chances, against you mm-hmm. it's probably pretty easy to get you know bored or sidetracked or just i don't know if rusty is the right word when you're sitting in goal but just you know just sort of sitting around there and maybe yeah. not in, in in optimal uh form preparation wise but he, you know he really stays engaged he's always yelling like you said the communication he's always yelling at the back line he's um he's very encouraging he's, he's pretty constructive with what he's with what he says and he's always talking he's always pointing um, and then that that penalty kick save, you know, they basically asked him to make to make one play. Mm-hmm. That's all he had to do on Saturday, and he did. He guessed right. He made made a terrific save and, and kept that clean sheet. Yeah, and that's when well, talking with him a couple different times off the field. He said that's a you know, just a testament to to assistant coach and goalkeeper coach Mark Litton's training. He said that's why we stay two, three, four hours sometimes extra after practice is to work on that one second, that three seconds worth of reaction. He's like, if you get it wrong, he's like, that could be the game, that could be a, a championship, that could be a, you know, a loss right there. He's like, you have to be engaged at every single second of every single game. He's like, that's, you know, that's why we, we do what we do, and I think it's paid off incredibly well for him. So, But, Jimmy, I appreciate you taking some time today on the program. Uh, where can people find your work and find you on social media as well? Well, you can definitely find everything I write about sports on onmilwaukee.com, where I'm the sports writer and sports editor. It's been a lot of bucks and brewers lately, but I try to get the torn in there as much, much as I can. And then uh, definitely follow me on Twitter at JimmyCarlton88. Fantastic. Jimmy Carlton, thank you so much for stopping by the program, sir. We hope to have you back on again in the future. Thanks a lot, Baxter. We're going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more in store for you. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com.
Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I am Baxter Colburn. Thanks so much for being here with us today. As we continue to move on with the show, we get to go to another MLS interview here on the program. A couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to go down to Texas and speak with FC Dallas defender Walker Zimmerman, and now we get to speak to a teammate of his. He wears number 23. He plays a defender. He plays the midfield. He can play pretty much anywhere that you need him to play because he is that good. It's number 23, Kellen Acosta, joining us on the program today. Good afternoon, Kellen, and welcome to Two Up Front. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Kellen. Well, can you help us settle the debate right away? Where do you technically play? Are you a defender? Are you a midfielder? Does it not even really matter to you? What do you What do you like to do? Um, I mean, I'd just rather be on the field anywhere, but my preferred position is center midfield. Okay, center midfield. So we can at least have a little bit of clarification on that because from everything that I've you know seen and heard about you and even watched you play sometimes too, sometimes we'll see you out at the fullback positions. You've done a great job of playing that center, holding mid before, and it's good to see, though, that you're such a versatile player at even such a young age, though, too. I feel like that's what makes FC Dallas so good is that they have so many players that can really step outside their comfort zone sometimes and do whatever is best for the team. But talk a little bit about FC Dallas right now. Kellen, you guys are top of the entire MLS right now with 37 points. You haven't lost a game at home this year, too. What do you guys attribute to your to your success so far here before the All-Star break? Um, I just think our team chemistry has been uh, at an all-time high right now. I think the guys, they just really enjoy playing with each other. And even in practices, we're just very competitive. Um, everyone just wants to push each other to be the best they can be. And then on the field, we're just getting the job done. I mean, tactically, the coaches have been working with us. And we've just been pretty sound defensively. I mean, from our center backs to our outside backs. And, and going from the midfield and our forwards are also... Getting in, getting some chances and capitalizing. I mean, you saw the goal last week that Maxi really put away. I mean, it just shows mm-hmm. the character, like in the the special um, situations that our guys put ourselves in, and, and they're able to to make the play that we need. So, I mean, it's, overall, I think that the guys have been doing a tremendous job, and we're on a high note right now. We're just going to keep pushing, and hopefully, I mean. We can still continue on our winning ways. Absolutely, yeah. Talking with Colin Acosta of FC Dallas here on the program on two up front. You mentioned Maxi Rudy. I mean, you guys have such a, a dynamic team. You've got Mauro Diaz. I mean, Walker Zimmerman we've talked about. The list kind of goes on and on. How does being the younger player on the team help you with that? Because you're going up with a lot of these different veterans. Is it a very much of a like a family atmosphere? Is everybody trying to help each other just become better players? Or are they trying to push you to be the, the best that you can be? Or since you've been with the team for a couple of years now, are you, even though you're younger, telling the new guys, hey, this is how things work here in FC Dallas? Well, I mean, kind of all of the above. I mean, Austria doesn't really treat anyone as a young player. He treats us all like veterans and he expects a lot from us. And so, I mean, I think that pays dividends for every player just to help their growth. I mean, he, I mean, he knows. I mean, mistakes are willing to happen, but he can't. He never, um, he never blames it on being young. I mean, he, like you mentioned, I mean, I've been in the league for four years now. And so, I mean, he expects a lot from me and a lot from other guys to step up as leaders. I think that's really helped us. Even though we have a young team, everyone's willing to step up and take that leadership role that, that we must need. I think that's really helping us. I would agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like no matter who you turn to on the field for FC Dallas, somebody is always stepping up and becoming just a, a dynamic playmaker, which is one reason why you guys are so hard to defend at times and why you guys continue to put the ball in the back of the net and now lead the league as a whole in terms of you know, your record and your, the most points as well. You guys play in the same conference as the Colorado Rapids right now, which continue to kind of wow a lot of MLS followers in terms of how well they've played. 
are you worried about what it's going to be like facing them come playoff time? Because barring a, a major collapse, I really doubt that FC Dallas is going to make it to the playoffs and is probably going to have to go through now a Tim Howard Colorado Rapids team and you know a teammate of yours as well with the U.S. men's national team a little bit here and there. But what's it like from being in the Western Conference and hearing all the hype about the Colorado Rapids while you guys just continuously, kind of almost quietly, sneak up the standings and say, yeah, you guys keep worrying about Colorado. Don't, don't pay any attention to us over here. Right, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're definitely a great team. I mean, they've been showing their worth, worth this year. I mean, they picked up great additions, as in Jermaine and Tim Howard, and also Gashi coming in. I mean, they, I mean, they've been a team where they really turned it around over the past few years. And I mean, I mean, they're also, I mean, a team to keep an eye on. I mean, like you said, they've slowly crept up to the top spot, and I mean, I mean, they, I mean, they're a great force. But I think, for our standpoint, I mean. For us to do well, we kind of need to focus on ourselves, and that's what we've been doing. So we've been taking each game um, week by week, and we just try to just um, continue just to, to better ourselves. I and mean, when we played them in the Open Cup, I mean, that was a, it's a long, intense game. We ended up pulling through after 120 minutes. I mean, they and they were missing a couple guys, even though, I mean, they're still a great team. But, I mean, for us, we just need to tune up, tune up things in our end, and everything will work out. And then when the time comes to face them, we just need to – um, be mindful of the special places to have on the team and then capitalize on our chances and be sound, uh, sound tactically and defensively. Talking with Kellen Acosta here on two up front, number 23, a defender slash center midfielder for FC Dallas. Kellen, about a month ago, there was an article that came out on MLSsoccer.com featuring the fact that you had the opportunity to play down in Dallas, but not for FC Dallas. You got to appear for the U.S. men's national team. You didn't get a chance to play during the 1-0 victory over Ecuador, but you had a comment after the game that I thought was very bold. You said, I think I need to establish myself as a consistent starter here at FC Dallas, and then hopefully Jurgen Klinsmann likes that and chooses me. Have you had any more communication since now Copa America is over and just looking forward to future camps with Coach Klinsmann or even any hints from the, the national team program as a whole to see you on the field for them more? Uh, I have I haven't. I mean, I mean that was a comment for me then because um, I wasn't a consistent starter. I mean, uh, Austria likes to rotate the center midfielder a lot, and I think that kind of kind of hampers me being with the national team. So I mean, you look at all those guys there. I mean, they're pretty much all consistent stars and and playmakers and leaders for their team. So I think I for myself, I think I need to st- uh, stand out more and kind of kind of step up my game so I can. Be be a future call up. I mean, right now Jurgen hasn't mentioned anything to me, so I'm just trying to keep my head down and just keep keep pushing myself and keep bettering myself every every day. And then hopefully, I mean, in the end, when the camp comes around, I I get the call up. So right now, I'm just trying to just keep keep bettering myself and keep pushing myself. When you were a part of the team too for that short time um, down when they were in Dallas, were there any of the veteran players that kind of came up to you and took you under their wing at all, or any guys that even just during practice you kind of sat back and watched, or saying, "Wow, I hope I you know end up having a you know get to learn from him a little bit if the chance comes along." Well, I mean, it's kind of a mix of all of them. This is the first time I've ever been in camp with, I mean, with all the guys from from Michael Bradley to Jermaine Jones, even Tim Howard. The first time kind of met him and. Um, and then like the European guys like Ale Bedoya and and um, and I mean some of the young guys like Bobby Wood as well. I mean it was kind of cool just kind of being a mix of all of them. It was a great experience on my part, and, and I mean I mean I learned a lot from them. Kind of kind of just took away a little bit of each of their games and their leadership, and I just took like and follow in their footsteps and be be on the national team as well with them. 
When you when you think about playing for the U.S. men's national team on a on a consistent level, what kind of emotion comes over you when you think about that? Sometimes you hear about pride. Sometimes you hear about you know it's a long time coming for other players. But when you, Kellen Acosta, have that opportunity, and the 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 phrase is when you hear the national anthem play when you're in the in that starting lineup there, what what emotions do you expect to you know to have kind of surge through your body when that moment does finally come for you? Well, I mean, I mean, every time I've seen national anthem plays, I mean, I get butterflies. I mean, I mean, it's just an awesome um, feature that I mean, I get to get to play for my country at the highest level. I mean, it's always exciting to get the call up, and I have a sense of pride that I get to represent not only um, the country as a whole, but my fans, well, FC Dallas, and also I mean, the town that I grew up in. I mean, I get butterflies. And I'm, I mean, I get a little nervous at first, but once the game starts, I mean, I'm totally tuned in and I mean I'm excited to go out there and give it my all for my country of course I mean that's fantastic to hear um, a couple other questions here before we let you go FC Dallas as we all know uh, top of the league right now as they continue to move forward uh, some upcoming games for you guys that are going to certainly push you and challenge you I mean you're going to go on the road uh, and take on Seattle um, well tomorrow technically and then you guys have a quick turnaround and play Chicago on Saturday Two game weeks, I always feel like are a lot of fun, but at the same time, very tiring. And you kind of have to do this back to back weeks as well, too, when you have a U.S. Open Cup game and then you have another game against Colorado um, that Wednesday, Saturday. How are these next four games going to affect you guys going forward? And how do you personally stay fit and ready to be you know, called up for each of these games? Well, I mean, it's definitely going to be tough. I mean, these last few weeks have been. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, we've been traveling, we've playing a lot of games, but I think for us, just to be mindful, just to to take care of our bodies as much as possible, eating right, sleeping well, um, getting the ice rest, do everything possible to to get an edge. I mean, there's a lot of games. So I think Oscar is looking at maybe to rotate you guys to get guys some rest. But I mean, now is the time for everyone to step up, and I know everyone's glad to do so. I mean, for our team, we have a lot of depth. So anyone to anyone that gets placed in the starting lineup, I mean. They know the system and they're ready to go. I mean, everyone's issued to play. So, I mean, we have no problem in doing so. So, whoever goes out and comes back in, I mean, everyone everyone knows the system. Everyone knows what they're capable of. I mean, it's just like no one's ever left. So, I mean, for us, I think we've got to be very mindful of the games coming up and rehab and mm-hmm. recover as much as possible and get ready for the next game coming up. Well, fantastic. Well, Callan, we wish you the very best going forward uh, for FC Dallas, and uh, we appreciate you taking time here on Two Up Front today as well. Callan Acosta, number 23, a central midfielder for FC Dallas as well. As we mentioned, there's some upcoming games, four games for FC Dallas. So if you are a big FC Dallas fan, go and check them out and uh, cheer them on as well. So, Callan, thank you so much, and we uh, hope to have you back on the program again in the future, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Anytime, sir. All right, we are going to run to a break. When we come back, we've got more exciting action in store for you here on Two Up Front. Stay with us. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Welcome back inside the studio as Two Up Front continues to roll on. Special thanks to Kellen Acosta and Jimmy Carlton for joining us in our last two previous segments. Always great to check in with Jimmy Carlton and, of course, Kellen Acosta as well of FC Dallas and on Milwaukee as well, respectively. All right, Corey Palaz, let's move on with the show. It's time to jump into MLS a little bit more since we heard from Kellen. Let's take a look back at the week that was and the week that is to come here in MLS. Uh, It's an interesting 
week in MLS as there's two different weeks within a week, basically. There are games that took place on Wednesday night, and there'll be games that'll be starting here tonight, Friday, all the way through Sunday as well. But that's not important right now. What is important is what happened this last week in Major League Soccer. Some snooze fests. Let's just get through those right away. Orlando and Houston drew 0-0. FC Dallas beat San Jose 1-0 thanks to a Maxi Rudy fantastic bicycle kick. The LA Galaxy beat the Seattle Sounders 1-0. No one really cares. Um, Toronto FC beat Chicago 1-0. Nobody really cares. RSL and Montreal drew 1-1. The Red Bulls in Portland drew 0-0. And Vancouver and Colorado played to a thrilling 2-2 draw. Now the games that actually had more, you know, Clear winners, basically, in this one. Uh, Philadelphia Union, they manhandled D.C. United 3-0. A very exciting performance from the Philadelphia Union, who continue to assert themselves as a top team in the Eastern Conference. Um, Three goals in the span of 27 minutes for the Philadelphia Union. And uh, you have to wonder how real this Philadelphia Union team actually is. Are you buying into what the Union are doing right now, Corey? Um, it's, it's, It's hard to. Uh, just due to past performance of of prior seasons. Sure, I can understand that. But um, they are definitely making a push, and so it's it, it'll be interesting to track what they do for the next couple of games. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm I even contend if they're even getting draws for the next couple of games, they're someone to go to watch out for. I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah, uh, it was nice to see Philadelphia. They move into second place in the Eastern Conference with 29 total points, 8, 5, and 6 on the season. 32 goals for 26 against for a plus 3 goal difference. The best in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the game that I'm excited about to talk about, uh, the New England Revolution put a beat down on the Columbus crew. Kai Kamara facing his old team. Lee Wynn got the game going in the third minute with a stunning volley to the upper right, or a stunning shot to the upper right-hand corner, left-hand corner, depending on which way you're looking at it, uh, to get things rolling from there. An, an own goal off a of Will Trap in the 34th minute kept things moving. Ola Kamara scored in the 42nd minute to make it 2-1 at halftime. And then Kai Kamara put the game away in the 71st minute after a good heads-up awkward play in the box between a couple of Columbus defenders. And Kamara pounced on the ball and slotted it away. The Revolution, with that victory, moved to 6th place in the Eastern Conference. 22 total points, 5-7-7 and seven on the year. They've won 3 out of their last 6 games. However, they were on a 3-game losing streak until that game, Corey. Um, I'm excited, obviously, as a Revolution fan to have them win a game, of course. However, um, I still don't really count the sixth place in the Eastern Conference uh, once we found out that there are going to be six teams from each conference making their playoffs now instead of five like it used to be. So I'm really not counting the Revs even really in the playoffs right now, of course, until that actually happens. And I'm like, yeah, the Revs are in the playoffs. But even still, I really... Sixth place is kind of just like the... The participation trophy, I feel like, of the Eastern Conference. It's like, hey, you're in the East. That's great that you're here. You can get in the playoffs because you just happen to have just barely enough points, but not enough points to really be that good. Yeah, you say that now. But as soon well, as they I, start that's winning. What I, that's, that's what I said, though. I'm like, <laughs> once the Revs get into the playoffs, I'll be like, they're in the playoffs! But yeah. it, like, honestly, for right now, as a fan, I'm like, sixth place is not good enough. It's just not. Yeah, and you know, if you're a Revs fan, you really have to be concerned because uh, you look at their away stats. Horrible. One win... Five losses and three ties. Mm, 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 mm. And if you're going to make it, you can't it win in, on the road. You, you're done. No. You, it's, you it's can't terrible. expect because um, you look at some of these other teams Philadelphia Union, 7 1 and 2 at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York Red Bull is 7 2 and 1 at home. I mean, every single one of these teams does really well at home. Mm hmm. And so it, it's just concerning because if you're going to do well in the playoffs, you have to be able to play. I'd agree road. with you on that one. It's interesting, though, because you look at 
the Union and the Red Bulls. Both of them have a worse road record than the Revolution do right now. It's very interesting and not something that you see every day. The Philadelphia Union are 1-3-5 and five on the road. The Red Bulls are 1-2-7 and seven on the road. The Revolution, as you just mentioned, 1-3-5 and five on the road as well. So technically they're tied with the Union. But it's interesting, though, that the Revs are struggling on the road, yet the two of the top teams in the East, which let's all stop for a moment and realize, oh, we're talking about the Eastern Conference, the worst of the two, obviously in MLS, the, the joke, the, the punchline of so many things in MLS. However, it's just very interesting to know that even though the Revs are so far down the standings that they're also very close, though, to those riding high in the East. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, even if you look at the Western Conference, the way, way scores are, the, I'm sorry, the way uh, records are a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, you only get to the, the bad ones until you hit 7, 8, 9, and 10, in which there's one win combined with the last four. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, One thing to point out, too, though, the Portland Timbers have yet to win on the road this year. 0-6-4 on the road, and they're in sixth place, which, again, doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, they're in the playoffs if they were to start today, but I can guarantee you, though, if I asked Simon, I said, how do you feel about the Timbers not being in the sixth place? He'd be like, no, it's, it's why? No, no, of course not, unless... Obviously, unless the playoffs started today, it's like, well, yeah, of course, they're in the playoffs. That's great. But the sixth, sixth spot in any conference in the West or East is very demeaning, I feel like. Uh, moving along with everything, uh, the other game that uh, was a little surprising, Sporting Kansas City beating down NYCFC after NYCFC had been doing very well in recent games. Uh, they tied the game in the 14th minute. Benny Fellhopper got it going in the 8th minute. Frank Lampard tied it in the 14th. Then Jimmy uh, Medranda scored in the 16th, and then Ike Opara put the game away in the 51st minute. Graham Zusi did not play in this game. Uh, Matt Beasler also did not play, and neither did Dom Dwyer. And somehow, some way, Sporting Kansas City put down a very, very good NYCFC team. Yeah, yeah, they did. And I think the the key for victory now going forward for Kansas City is uh, just don't play any of your star players. Yeah, just hit everybody. It's not worth it. It's, yeah, I mean, for most of the season, it has been worth it. Dom Dwyer's been dwi- been has been dismal. Yes, has been um, what's the word? Uh, dismal. When you say oh. the do do together, and it's, 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 it gets slurred together. It's hard to say it. Uh, Matt Beasler was gone, obviously, with the men's national team. Graham Zusi was as well, but neither players leading up to them leaving for Copa America had really done that much to make you be like, wow, what a good sporting Kansas City team. And they were hyped. They were picked to be a top two or three team in the West this year. Granted, they're in fifth place right now. They have an opportunity. They've played 20 games. Uh, they're a full nine points, though, uh, behind FC Dallas, who is in first place in the West. Hmm. We'll have to keep an eye on what they're doing. Any other thoughts about games that took place this last weekend for uh, for teams at MLS? Um, I think another one that's just really jumping out to me is Toronto FC just another disappointing uh, week. Mm. Uh, you're, tie, you're tied to Columbus, uh, the Columbus crew uh, today, and it's just a Columbus crew team that has been struggling. Yeah. And you you have to come away with wins if you want to keep pushing towards the playoffs. So. I'd agree with you on that one. Yeah, I mean, on conversely decided that, the Red Bulls beat down Orlando again, beating them 2-0. Obviously, more games to still be played this week, of course. But if you're the Red Bulls, you got to be happy about that, though. You get a much-needed win. You keep yourself in third place in the East, uh, 10-7. Oh, pardon me. I'm looking at the wrong stat. 8-3-9 and nine overall. 8-3-9 and nine overall. On the season, um, 
seven wins at home so far this year, so something to be uh, excited about. But, yeah, no Eastern team really, aside from TFC, have done much on the road this year, so uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, Let's look ahead, then, for the games for this week, starting with the game taking place uh, on Friday, the LA Galaxy taking on the Houston Dynamo. What do you like about that game, Corey, and who wins? I'm going to say, oh boy, uh, I'm going to say LA Galaxy. Hmm. Uh, they had a nice nice game uh, against Seattle. I, I think they're going to continue it. I would agree with you on that one. I think LA is going to take home this victory. They sit in third place, eight, three, or seven, eight, and three overall on the year. Uh, they have won five games, drawn four, and never lost at home so far this year as well. Winning at home is a crucial, crucial thing, especially in the West. I think LA continues that. Columbus versus DC United. Columbus coming off of a loss to the Revolution. DC coming off of a loss as well. I think DC is the better of the two teams, and I think DC is going to sneak away with a victory this week. I would have to agree. Uh, the Colorado Rapids taking on a surprisingly semi kind of lukewarm hot Sporting Kansas City team right now. Colorado, they just drew 2 2 against Vancouver last week. Sporting Kansas City, as we mentioned, beating NYCFC 3 1. I believe Colorado will emerge, though, the better team out of this game. I am going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with Kansas City. How interesting. Okay. Uh, FC Dallas versus the Chicago Fire. The best, literally, versus the worst, literally. 37 points for FC Dallas, 14 for the Chicago Fire. The Fire have won three games all year. FC Dallas have won 11 on the year. FC Dallas is home. They are 7-3-0 at home this year. Does Chicago have any chance at all who have yet to win a game on the road this year? Um... I think the only chance that they have is maybe scoring a goal, but that'll be about it. I think there's no way that they're going to win this game. Hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one, honestly. Um, Another interesting game right after that, though, will be RSL and the Revolution. Um, RSL, they are undefeated at home this year, actually. They are 5-3-0 at home. Well, on the flip side, the Revs are 1-3-5 and five on the road. Rio Tinto, a hard place to win at, but this is not the same RSL team that it has been in years past. Will the Revolution find a way to pull out a victory in this game? Uh, um, I'm going to say no. I would say um, just home field advantage is, is big. Uh, second of all, RSL has been playing well, um, and New England, on the other hand, is sporadic. You're right. I would agree with you on that one. Sorry, I didn't mention uh, FC Dallas winning the last game, so my apologies for that one. Uh, I am going to have to go with a draw this week, actually, because I feel like Kai Kamara is finding his footing, and I think the offense is starting to click. However, the defense is still very sketchy for most of this, uh, the last couple of games. RSL, I think, is going to find a way to either score first and or concede first, and then somehow it's going to end in a draw, because with RSL, though, doing that final bit of scoring uh, to wrap things up, I feel like, whether the Revs go ahead early or whatever it is, um, I think it's going to end up being a draw in this game. Vancouver and Orlando. Things continue to go from bad to worse for Orlando. Vancouver, I think, is going to run away with this game. No contest and re- no, no contest at all, really, from what Vancouver has done. Yeah, I would have to agree. Orlando, quick facts. They are 4-9-5 and five on the year. 3-7-0 and at home, so they haven't lost at home this year, but 1-2-5 uh, and five on the road. Vancouver, they've done a good job, but they are 4-4-2 four, four and two at home this year, 3-0-6 uh, oh on the road. So I'm going to keep in mind going forward, I have Vancouver winning, San Jose at, and uh, Toronto. Um, oh, this is, I'm going to go with a draw. Really? Okay. Um, 
Yeah, for me, I mean, it's it's hard right now because Toronto, they're, they're coming fresh off of a draw here from this last week, but they have a short week, uh, and then they have to go uh, out to San Jose, where San Jose have done um, a good job of defending the home turf. They've only lost once. They're 5-3-1 and one at home this year. TFC, though, uh, one of the best road records in MLS with 3-3-5. Three, three, and five. You got to kind of wonder if they're going to be capable of going into a place like San Jose, but San Jose hasn't been playing well recently. Uh, I think TFC does go in and takes the victory, honestly. You do. I do. I do, I do. Uh, a game that I'm sure my co-host Simon will be trying to find and follow on uh, this coming weekend will be Portland versus Seattle, the Cascadia rivalry for the ages, as so many people love a good old-fashioned Portland-Seattle game. Both teams aren't playing very well. However, I think Portland is going to play slightly better and emerge victorious. I would have to agree. Montreal and NYCFC. Frank Lampard did your Drogba reunion that we've all been waiting for. Who will emerge victorious? NYCFC. I agree with you on that one. And then Philly and the Red Bulls to close out the action for the week. I'm going to go with the Red Bulls. Oh, the Red Bulls. I'm going to go for a draw on this one, actually. Um, based off of the Union and Red Bulls' recent run of plays, I feel like these two teams uh, are fairly equal, and they will continue to be equal on the field as well. Uh, we're going to run to a break. When we come back, we're going to do our I Believes and wrap things up for another edition of Two Upfront, presented by ShopFutsal.com. Stay with us. Welcome back inside the studio for another edition of Two Up Front. As we continue to wrap things up, I'm Baxter Colburn. And I'm Corey Plath. All right, Corey Plath. Reminder for all of you wonderful people, you can find the show on Fridays on the Sports Podcasting Network at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. And you can also get us on demand on Spreaker, iTunes, and on iHeartRadio as well. All right, Corey Plath. It's time for a fun and exciting segment that you enjoy, I know, immensely. It's time for our I Believe segment. Mr. Plath, you get to lead things off. What do you got for us this week? Well, as a little bit of background, Jurgen Klinsmann uh, this past week mentioned that he has a goal for the 2018 World Cup and where the U.S. men's national team will finish. Mm -hmm. He says that the goal is reaching the semifinals just as they did in Copa America. So this relates to my I Believe segment. I believe Jurgen Klinsmann is full of it if he actually thinks that the U.S. <laughs> men's national team in their current state is going to reach the semifinals of the 2018, or the, of, of the 2018 World Cup. <laughs> Hashtag truth. <laughs> Seriously, though, does he really think that that is going to... Unless, he... unless he knows about some outstanding players that we have no clue of that are going to join the team... There's just no way. I mean, I don't see it. It's really hard to believe that the U.S. is going to make it to the semifinals. I I don't even see them making it to the quarterfinals. Granted, we don't know what they're what the draw is going to be, but they haven't really uh, had you, they're, good. They're going to find a way to play Ghana. They just are. They always find a way. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be a World Cup without Ghana. It, it, yeah, they they find some really interesting teams that they have very difficulty playing with. Yeah. 
I agree with you. It's always funny too, like explaining like over the last World Cup um, to some people that like, why does it matter that we're playing Ghana? Like, what is what does that have to? I mean, it's Ghana. Well, shouldn't we beat them easily? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. well, yes, but yes, but no. <laughs> at the same time, <laughs> all right, my I believe. Uh, I believe that the U.S. women's national team, despite having an odd roster, will find a way to overcome Zika and all other adversity and win the gold medal at the Women's Olympics. Interesting. I do believe so. Um, yeah, that's what I think. It's the way it works, I guess. Yeah. Have, have you uh, have you been playing Pokemon Go at all, Corey? I feel I, like I, I need to I, ask you. I have been playing Pokemon Go. Have you? And how have you fared so far? Uh, not as well as most people around where I live. I really? Like see... I see, like, I don't know, anyone who knows about the combat power stuff, they're like thousands, and I'm like low hundreds. Oh, I'm like, Lord. oh gosh, I have no time to play combat this. Combat power. Yeah, I feel like, I think my highest one is not very high. I mean, I'm trying to play right now as we're, as we're going about this. There's a rat-a-tat on my soundboard. Got him. All right, crisis averted, everybody. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Two Upfront, presented by ShopFutsal.com. A special thanks to our three guests this week, Jimmy Carlton of On Milwaukee, Patrick Hodgins of Bavarians FC, and Callan Acosta of FC Dallas as well. Coming up on next week's show, we will have Femi Hollinger-Jansen of the New England Revolution joining us, and hopefully a couple other guests as well. Stay tuned for that. Simon Proven will be back as well next week. Corey Blath, thank you so much for stepping in. We appreciate you uh, you joining us. Absolutely. And, uh, we hope to have you back again in the future, sir. Absolutely. All right. He is Corey Blath. I am Baxter Colburn. Find us again on social media, 2 Upfront on Facebook, at 2 Upfront Soccer on Twitter, at Baxter Colburn, at Simon Proven, at CBlath10, and our website, www.2upfrontsoccer.com. He's Corey Plath. I'm Baxter Colburn. With our manager being the one above, we are 2 Upfront. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe.